It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by 90min, and it's our tactical analysis show. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good afternoon and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we're going to be continuing our reaction to Arsenal's big, big win out in Prague. Arsenal 4, Slavia Prague nil, turning around what was a, I'm not going to say a disastrous first leg, but it wasn't ideal, was it? Conceding an away goal late on the way we did. Obviously, there was a, a huge meltdown off of the back of that. Um, unjustified, obviously, and, and as was proven to be the case by Arsenal yesterday. But uh, nevertheless, there was a meltdown. So it was imperative, not just for the context of this season, not just uh, for the fact that we we would still have a chance of winning the Europa League and qualifying for the Champions League next season, potentially. But because it silenced a lot of the doubters, and it's not just the fact that Arsenal got through it's the nature of the victory that was so impressive. The way we were so emphatic, blew Slavia Prague off the pitch. A side, by the way, who hadn't lost on their own turf for around about two years. So it's pretty impressive uh, that Arsenal went out there, absolutely blitzed them, tore them to pieces and uh, cruised to a 4-0 victory. Now, as we're going to be doing after every game now, we're going to be doing a little bit of a tactical analysis here, a little bit of a deep dive into how Arsenal set up, and we're going to pick out some of the tactical nuances that saw Mikel Arteta's side dominate their opponents. We're going to start off by quickly running through the team. Uh, it was Bern Leno in goal. It was a back four of Callum Chambers, Rob Holding, Pablo Marie and Granite Xhaka. Ceballos and Partey were in midfield with Emil Smith-Rowe operating in the number 10 position. Pepe started from the left, Saka started from the right and Alexander Lacazette started through the middle. So there's a few things I want to talk about. I want to talk about Granite Xhaka um, and the difference in the team when Xhaka plays at left back rather than Kieran Tierney. And, and before everybody jumps on me in the comments, I am not for a second suggesting that Granit Xhaka is a better left-back than Kieran Tierney. I'm just going to point out the differences in terms of the way Arsenal play, having Granit Xhaka in that position in comparison to the way, the way they play with Kieran Tierney, because I actually think it has a knock-on effect on some other areas of the team. And we'll discuss that as well. We'll talk about Danny Sabas and Thomas Partey and how that worked. We'll talk about Emil Smith-Rowe's magical movement. And we'll talk about Nicolas Pepe from the left-hand side. So plenty to get through in the next half an hour or so. So let's get into it. So we talked a lot in the lead up to the game about the options that Mikel Arteta had at his disposal. And one of those options, of course, uh, would have been to play Cedric at left back. I thought that that was probably what Mikel Arteta should have done. I felt like the Granite Xhaka thing was a bit of a risk. But to be fair to Mikel, it was a risk that paid off. And um, having gone out and won the game the way we did, I don't think anybody could question uh, Mikel's decision in hindsight. Of course, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But, you know, admittedly, I was a little bit worried about the idea of Xhaka playing at left back. 
Going back to the Sheffield United game, I thought that Xhaka tucked in very much like a third centre-back, like this pretty much. And Chambers would step into this kind of half position a little bit further forward. And and you'd see Partey shift more centrally and then Ceballos, uh, as such, move slightly to the left. So it became a slightly different formation at Sheffield United. But actually last night... Upon reflection, having watched it uh, back again today, actually, Xhaka played a lot more like a traditional left-back in the game against Slavia Prague. He didn't get forward much, but that was key. And that was key for a number of reasons. It was key because, uh, first of all, he never left any space in behind him. Granit Xhaka at left-back, he's not the most mobile of players. We know he's not going to bomb up and down the flank in the same way that Kieran Tierney does. And Yes, we lost something in terms of an attacking uh, sense. You know, we, we didn't have a left-back bombing on on the outside of the left winger. But what Granit Xhaka did do was bring some stability to the back line. With him and Callum Chambers playing either side, they were both able to tuck in when necessary and, and make this narrow defence. You could then see Thomas Partey providing a screen to that back four. And, and it was really, really solid. Granit Xhaka playing there and and not venturing forward the way Kieran Tierney does, what does that do? It means that Thomas Partey can patrol this area um, a little bit more freely and is less likely to be exposed because uh, he's not got to worry about the defence shifting over to deal with the absence of the left-back who's been caught further up the pitch. It means he can just focus on one particular area of the pitch and he focused Thomas Partey on this area here. Uh, I've just circled it in front of the back four. And he patrolled that area of the park flawlessly last night. That was one of Thomas Partey's better performances in an Arsenal shirt. I thought he did a really, really great job of making sure that anything in that area was gobbled up. And again, you know, I want to stress and reiterate the point that I'm not having a go, um, you know, at Kieran Tierney, when he plays left back, he's clearly got a different remit when he plays than the remit that is given to Granit Xhaka. He's clearly a better athlete and has the ability to get up and down. And actually, even though he gets forward so often, Kieran Tierney doesn't get caught out a great deal at left back. So this is not about Kieran Tierney. This is not about digging him out. I'm just highlighting the differences between what we normally see and what we have seen with Granit Xhaka playing in this left-back position. So Xhaka tucks in more uh, into a sort of more central position. That's what he's naturally inclined to do. And with the back four being so closely knit, it's much easier for Thomas Partey just to worry about this particular area here and not be dragged out left, not be dragged out right, not be having to worry about filling in holes vacated by uh, fullbacks who are getting forward. Chambers did get forward, but he was disciplined in the way he got forward and he didn't do it over the top. You know, I know Arsenal uh, got in front pretty early on in the game and that may have influenced sort of how uh, how often the fullbacks decided to bomb on. But I think having uh, sort of Xhaka and Chambers there and the discipline that those two bring to the side, particularly after we'd taken the lead, made us a really, really solid outfit. And as I say, Thomas Partey benefited from the fact that he wasn't being dragged left or right to, to deal with spaces uh, vacated by attacking fullbacks. He was able to just concentrate on that area that I've circled on the screen and just patrol that and patrol it very, very well. Another thing we saw, which was similar to the game that we saw at Sheffield United, was Danny Sabayos receiving the ball in this slightly left of centre position. We've seen Danny Sabayos come under a great deal of pressure 
um, you know, sort of on the ball in and around the edge of Arsenal's penalty area. We've seen him make a couple of mistakes off the back of that. And I talked about it uh, following the Sheffield United game as well. So Bios being able to receive the ball in a slightly left field position means that he's under less pressure naturally, right? The press is going to be less aggressive from the opponent in that area. And when he does receive the ball uh, on the touchline, he hasn't got to worry about what's behind him. Uh, you know, it's literally you're looking out, your vision is is onto the field of play and you can just pick up the ball and you know exactly very clearly what you've got to do. It's very different to go in and receiving the ball from a centre-back or a goalkeeper without being aware of what is going on around you and behind you. You know, he doesn't have 360 vision. None of us do. So it just has taken a bit of pressure off of Danny Ceballos. Uh, the fact that he's been sort of given the freedom to pull out towards the flank and receive the ball in a less congested area of the pitch. Now, why has he got that freedom to do that? Well, that is because the back four with Granit Xhaka in it, playing as a left back, and the fact that he's not going to bomb in makes Arsenal a lot more stable in the core. Now, under normal circumstances, if this was Kieran Tierney at left back and he was bombing forward and Pablo Marie was having to step across and Rob Holding was having to step across and then Xhaka is having to fill in or Partey is having to fill in, all of a sudden the midfield is really exposed. But with Partey tasked with just patrolling that particular area in the midfield, knowing that he's got four defenders behind him, that allows Ceballos to go out and try and receive the ball in different areas of the park. And he's actually played quite well in the last couple of games being able to do that. But the other thing that you need to credit Danny Sabas for is that he's got the awareness and he's shown uh, that he is willing to drop in alongside Thomas Partey when things get a little bit difficult. And he did do that uh, on a few occasions last night. He did slot in alongside the Ghanaian and help him out uh, from a defensive standpoint. But as I say, the minute Arsenal win the ball back, Sabas has that freedom. It's the, the chains have been taken off him to go and pull out into different areas of the pitch get on the ball, knowing that we've got that defensive core uh, nailed down because our fullbacks aren't as, um, I don't want to say irresponsible because that's the wrong word, but aren't as inclined to bomb down the line. Yes, Chambers does it and that's great, but you'll always see, or, or what one of the things that I always say Mikel's improved us in is that our structure off the back of that. So our structure in terms of defending when our fullbacks have bombed on under Mikel Arteta has been far better than it was in years gone by. And it's getting better and better. And by having two fullbacks who were willing to sit yesterday uh, for long periods of the game, that's not to say they never ventured forward, but for the, you know, for the um, most part, they were willing to sort of uh, drop in, tuck in, get closer to the centre-halves. It gave us a real good defensive core. So I talked about Granit Xhaka and how I think his sort of, you know, what's the word? His reluctance to bomb down the left-hand side uh, allowed Thomas Partey to be able to just sit in the area of the pitch where we want him and allow him to dominate that area. It's much easier to dominate a smaller area of the pitch. Uh, it doesn't matter how fit you are. You know, a football pitch is huge. And if you don't have... Uh, the right setup around you and you're being asked uh, to cover all sorts of areas and you're being pulled from pillar to post, your job becomes very, very difficult. So Thomas Partey's job was made a lot easier by the fact that the back four were extremely disciplined. He could call on Danny Sabas when he needed him, but when Arsenal won the ball back, Danny Sabas was more than capable and more than willing to pull out um, into different areas, uh, you know, and, uh, and get on the ball and make things happen. I want to talk a little bit about 
uh, Emil Smith-Rowe because I've talked about Sabahs now. We've talked about Xhaka, uh, two of the key tactical points, I thought, off the back of last night's game. But I want to talk about a little bit about Emil Smith-Rowe. And one of the great things about Emil Smith-Rowe is, obviously, he's a really talented footballer. You know, he's got a wonderful touch. He's got great vision, excellent footwork, as we saw in the build-up, in particular uh, to the Nicola Pepe goal. He's, he's a fantastic footballer. He's really, really good. There are still some concerns over his fitness, over how robust he is. Um, but, you know, it's that's not, that, that's not the issue here today. We're talking about the movement. And in the title, I called it Emil Smith-Rowe's magic movement because that's exactly what it is. Emil Smith-Rowe, when he plays in this number 10 position, more so than Martin Odegaard. And again, this is not to knock Martin Odegaard, but they're different players, in my opinion. The, the better thing... Oh, is it a better thing? The thing that Emil Smith-Rowe does that Martin Odegaard doesn't do as frequently is he's willing to come out to the right-hand side and uh, link up with Bukayo Saka in close quarters. And when Lacazette drops that little bit deeper and Saka's coming in off the flank, the three of them uh, combine brilliantly and they form a little bit of a triangle. And from then on the edge of the box, they can cause people all sorts of problems. But Emil Smith-Rowe is not just comfortable doing that on the right-hand side. He's equally as comfortable doing the same on the left. And that allows him to combine with whoever's playing on the left-hand side. And Alexander Lacazette, again, does so well in the link-up play. Um, you know, you start to see, uh, you know, patterns forming and you start to see how Emil Smith-Rowe being given the license to drift all across the pitch, um, you know, it can, can be key to unlocking opponents. Take, for example, uh, the incident that led to the penalty. And it was an Arsenal breakaway. And what you saw was uh, Emil Smith-Rowe pull out to the right-hand side. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, just remembering back, it was a long ball over the top uh, or, or down the line uh, that came from the full-back area. Uh, and Emil Smith-Rowe got onto it. And he gets into this position in the pitch here and he cuts the ball back. Now, Lacazette's in the middle. Pepe is on the edge of the, is sort of a little bit deeper. So Lacazette's here, uh, Pepe's on the edge of the penalty area and he's arriving into the penalty area. And you're thinking, right, Smith-Rowe's got to the byline. Does he roll it across to Lacazette? Does he? No, he doesn't. Does he pick out Nicola Pepe, who the Slavia Prague players are just starting to pick up and, and are going to make life difficult for? No. Instead, he does an even smarter thing and he picks up Bukayo Saka, who's just arriving in that inside half space. And in that half space, that is where Bukayo Saka draws the foul and wins Arsenal the penalty. Now, I talk about half spaces a lot, and you're probably wondering what on earth I'm on about when I say half space. This is the half space area, the area that I'm highlighting now. So it's not the flank. It's this area here. That is the half space. OK, this is the left wing uh, or right wing, sorry, to the right of it. Further infield is obviously central. This is the half space, that awkward area between a centre back and a full back. That is the area that Arsenal are looking to expose with this kind of movement. And it's an area that Emil Smith Rowe has become an expert in exposing, whether that be him picking up in that position or whether that be him uh, picking out uh, or whether that be him sort of picking somebody out there, you know, if he's running in there or he's got someone else running in there and he's found them, he's so aware of that particular area on the pitch. And that is why Arsenal with him in the side are a far more creative outlet. He brings so much to the table in terms of quality, in terms of vision and in terms of 
you know, just football intelligence. And that particular area of the pitch is an area that Arsenal are starting to expose really, really well. And you move, you take it on to, to Saka's, you know, have a look at Saka's shot that came off the post that Emil Smith-Rowe turned in. Obviously, it was ruled out for offside. But where did Saka's shot came from? It came from that half space. Where did, um, you know, when... Every, where, where did Saka's goal come from? Cutting in and exposing that half space and then sh- shooting. Really good finish from Bakayo Saka. Talked about it last night, the fact that he dragged it back in towards the near post. Obviously, completely wrong-footed the goalkeeper. But those half spaces are so, so key. And Arsenal are really starting to expose them. And they're exposing them now because they've got the right personnel in those particular areas. Players that are aware of it and players that are managing... Um, to get into those positions, losing their markers and then capitalising on the situations. I want to talk a little bit about Nicola Pepe because I remember doing sort of my my lineup on the show yesterday before the game and I remember somebody in the comments uh, sort of calling me out saying, oh, it was stupid to put Pepe on the left because Pepe won't cut in field. That's proven to be completely untrue because Nicola Pepe... Um, if we move this over here to highlight the half space on the left-hand side, that is exactly where Nicola Pepe did his most damage. Yes, at times he was wider and he was standing up the fullback and he'd try and put the ball in the box. But Nicola Pepe's goal came from him getting into the penalty area in the half space. He received the ball around about here, he shifted it further left and he squeezed it in at the near post. Now, people say, you know, that a left-footed player playing on the left would never cut in field. It's not a cut inside and shot. You know, it's not an Iron Robin style cut inside, but it's a different thing. It's about exposing those half spaces. And Nicolas Pepe seems to do that so, so well from the left-hand side. And it's why I think he's a better player when he plays from the left rather than the right. Every time he's been there, I think he's been more effective and he gets into the right positions when you're a left-footed player playing on the left-hand side and, and you know, and you're able to expose those inside pockets, that is where you throw defenders off because the defender naturally looks at you left-footed. What are you going to do? He's, of course, going to go on the outside. Um, if you're playing on your opposite flank, they're expecting you to cut in. But this gives a little bit of confusion around what it is your next action is going to be, what your next move is going to be. And Nicola Pepe in that inside space where he can finish chances on his stronger foot, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic to see that the fluidity in that front line. And Nicola Pepe was a prime example of someone who was playing on the side that is his strongest and the side that you'd expect him to, of course, keep going on the outside. But instead, he constantly drifted in field. And as um, as Ray says, yes, Harry, even with the penalty, Pepe was about to shoot close to the penalty spot. Exactly. So Pepe playing from the left doesn't mean that he's not going to cut in field. In fact, he does it more and he does it more effectively. So that, for me, has got to be something that Mikel considers going forward. Obviously, wishing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang all the best and a speedy recovery, of course. And I guess the sort of the, the, the story coming out that he does have malaria and that's explained his absence has almost killed some of those rumours, hasn't it, about him and Mikel not exactly seeing eye to eye, etc. So it's good to see that. It's good to see, um, you know, that, that that isn't the case. 
But I struggle to see where he fits in this side without disrupting the balance. It's great to have him in the squad. You know, he's fantastic. Um, he's a great finisher. He's a great striker. He's served us so, so well since signing from Borussia Dortmund. But I think when you play like this, you see Arsenal at full throttle. You see Arsenal at the most balanced they can be. And that's what I like to see. And I think the balance is is, is so key. It's not always about individual brilliance in football. It's about uh, putting the right pieces together to get the most balance and to create a side that is efficient and effective. And efficient is the key word. Arsenal were very efficient yesterday and they weren't in the first leg. It's as simple as that. But I guess what that highlights is, is that the principles are there. It highlights that the tactics are there. It highlights that the team is developing on the right path. Unfortunately, that efficiency or lack of has let us down time and time again this season. And that's been a major, major issue. But when you see Arsenal playing like that, it gives you encouragement that actually we are on the right path. Actually, Mikel Arteta is onto something. The reason I talked about this game being so significant and being our biggest game for a decade is A, because financially it means the world to Arsenal to, to be in the Champions League. If we could achieve that, that would be fantastic. But also because it would fend off the Wolves for a little bit longer. If Mikel Arteta could win the Europa League this season, um, you know, that would buy him some more time. The time that I believe he needs and the time I believe uh, sorry, and and the, the clout, I think, to go to the board and go to the club and say, look, we've won the FA Cup, we've won the Europa League. Now you, you, you need to back me. You need to find a way to back me because we're on the right path. But if you want us to be consistent enough to deliver it week in, week out, we need a better squad. We need a stronger squad. And that means putting your hands in your pocket. So it would give Mikel Arteta clout to be able to go and demand more and, and it would kill off the sort of animosity towards him from some of the fans because that isn't helpful either and in particular when we return to the stadiums which hopefully isn't too far away that will start to come through and we don't want that to come through because we don't want to kill the mood and the buzz around this team uh, off the back of a great uh, great performance in Prague. Going to leave it there for uh, this tactical analysis. Uh, you know, it was a brilliant performance, all all positives to highlight, uh, nothing negative. But don't worry, when when there are negatives to highlight, we'll pull them up on this tactical analysis show as well. Let me know in the chat how you rated the analysis out of 10. Um, this is a new concept that I've been bringing to the channel. I know I've sort of dabbled in the tactics board from time to time uh, previously, but I really wanted to make a show of it and do it after each game. Uh, so let me know if you found it enjoyable and insightful. Just a quick reminder that this uh, show is brought to you by the Le Bomb app. That's the predictor app. They're kindly on board with us again for another weekend of Premier League and FA Cup semi-final action. So uh, I need some help with your predictions for Arsenal versus Fulham. I've not really thought about it yet. I've not really uh, sat down to put my feet up and mull over my predictions, but a bit of guidance from you guys would be fantastic. So give me your predictions uh, for our Arsenal versus Fulham. Give me your predictions for Chelsea, Manchester City in the uh, FA Cup semi-final. And of course, the one between Leicester and Southampton. Get them in the chat. Get them in the com comments if you're watching this afterwards. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. But check it out. I'm playing again this weekend against the same guys uh, that we played against last week. Adam McCola, Elliot Hackney, Lawrence Boovey and Rory Jennings. Uh, I won last time out, so hopefully I can collect the prize pot 
for a second week running. And I'm definitely going to take uh, you guys' predictions into account. So keep them coming in the chat. Keep them coming in the comments. If you want to download the Lebom app, then make sure uh, you click on the link in the description and uh, sign up, download it, share it with your mates, get involved, get the game going. And uh, it's the game where you bet against your mates rather than the bookies. What more do you want? Bragging rights win above all, right? Brilliant stuff. Um, right, I'm going to leave it there and I will catch you all very, very soon. Until then, ch ciao. I almost said chill. Ciao. Ciao. See ya. <laughs>